So the title of the message tonight is called Dry and Dehydrated. Uh, so here recently, when Pastor Ron said he was going to have surgery, I went ahead and just wrote like three messages. And I'm like, whatever the Lord put on me a week ago, I'm going to write these messages, and they're not going to catch me slipping. They're not going to catch me last minute saying I need somebody to preach, and I got stuff in reserve. So they, they called me Tuesday and said, hey, uh, I want to get you to preach. So I started going over my message, and I was just like, man, this is not what the people need. This is not what the Lord has put on my heart for this week. You know, the title of the message just sounded like something you'd hang on the wall, you know, anchored in Christ or the one you feed. And it was just like, man, you know, I just wasn't feeling it. So as this morning, I actually wrote this entire message. Uh, as I was driving by the church today, I started noticing all the trees changing color. You know, and the Lord speaks to me in strange ways, but he always gives me some type of visual. And then I'm sitting there thinking, how can this relate to a Christian's walk? How can the leaves changing color relate to a Christian's walk? You know, uh, as I, even as I pulled in the parking lot, there was a few trees started becoming red. They're real pretty. Uh, you know, we're entering into a season where when we see the leaves change color, we have hope that it's going to start cooling off. <laughs> we have hope because we, it is promised to us that when the fall comes, that it is going to be cool and we ain't going to have, you know, we can turn the AC down a little bit. <laughs> we have hope when we see leaves change colors. Because the cooler weather coming. As we enter this time of year, it's considered as the fall foliage. You can look online and there's all kind of maps of where all the leaves start changing color. You can go up through Tennessee, the Carolinas, up through Maine. And there's just beautiful colors of trees as they start to change. But what's kind of important to me is the idea of when the leaves are green, nobody really even cares about them. You know, they're just like, whatever. But it catches your eye when it changes color. But what's really funny is even though they go through the transformation of becoming green and then a beautiful color, you know, just before they become beautiful color, we have hope again that it's going to be winter. Now the cool 80-degree weather is going to become cold. As it goes through this, the leaves start to wither and die. They become brown. They become ugly. The leaves that were once so vibrant, full of color, and were beautiful, but now begin to fall to the ground. They will dry up, turn brown, wither, and eventually just give rot into the ground. The reality is, though, that this is the way that God designed it. This is our nature. This is the way it is supposed to be. As it is, when, when, when leaves rot, you know, they actually repel weeds that come up. You know, they retain water. They improve the soil porosity. They improve the soil pH. They improve the plant and the root growth. They pr prevent erosion, enhancing the surface of the soil and adding nutrients. They provide organic and chemical-free source of nutrients. So this is the way God designed it. So as I asked God, how does this relate to our lives? You know, uh, one, one, one season we see changing colors, and the next season we see a dead color. And how does this relate? Now, I'm not going to speak about seasons tonight, but I'm going to speak about something that the Lord wrote on my heart. Because this message is even relatable to me in areas of my life. And I feel if I can relate to it, that others can relate to it. Maybe it's what the Lord has for this week, this season, this, this purpose of, 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 of the things that we are going through. I believe that there are many Christians who've hoped for many things. That God has wrote visions on their hearts, aspirations and dreams. And, you know, just like that, over seasons of waiting, they have just kind of let them go. They feel like they're no longer available. You know, there are many great, wonderful Christians out there. When they first got saved, they were full of fire. All they wanted to go was just preach and teach and tell everybody about Jesus. 
over the seasons, you know, there were some promises and hopes and visions, and it just didn't work out the way they thought it was going to work. You know, once a faithful prayer every day, every morning, every season of life, everything in life, they were just praying over everything in life. And as lice, I mean, it's not lice, but as, as life gets involved, they kind of just get busy with life. And they just don't pray as much as they used to. They'll get up and say their conventional prayer, and then the hardest thing about prayer is staying awake. <laughs> People who are really bold who, and who would walk up to anyone to talk about the good news of the gospel just kind of quit doing it. People who were on fire, who wanted to preach and teach and be pastors and had dreams that they've just seemed like they have dried up. There was people who wanted to be up here on stage doing worship and who were doing things and, and, you know, over the seasons of cleaning parking lots, doing security, doing stewardship, you know, doing things like that. They just felt like, well, maybe that's not my calling. The things that they are, you know, the Lord wrote on their heart, they now feel hopeless. Now, I don't want to get this mixed up because when you were saved, born again, uh, born again as a Christian, we are never a hopeless people because we have the power of the blood. We are saved. We are born again. We are renewed. We are not hopeless, but a situation can feel hopeless. You know, if you're going to go uh, try to cross a ditch that has rapid water flowing through it, there's almost no hope that you're going to cross that just by walking through it. So when I say hopeless, I'm not talking about that God is just going to abandon you in your seasons. Because Romans 8.37 says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. So if we have a relationship with Christ, we're not hopeless, but a situation can just kind of feel hopeless, you know. <clears throat> I remember when we had uh, third service up here, I remember one time... Uh, so I wasn't even clean on drugs or nothing. I was just fired up wearing muscle shirts, tattoos everywhere. And I remember going up to Luke Bourgeois, and I'm like, man, I got a message I want to tell everybody. I feel like the Lord's going to make me a preacher, a pastor. I feel like the Lord's going to do all these things on, you know, for me. I, I mean, this is my season to change my life. And I remember him telling me, no, it ain't your season. You got a lot to do when you sit down and talk. There's, there, there's things to this. Eight years later, I'm up here able to preach. <laughs> so sometimes it's what you do while you're waiting is how long you're going to wait. Sometimes through your waiting, through your seasons, God is preparing other things you can't even see yet. So if I was going to ask the, these questions individually just to kind of stir up your way of thinking, this is something that's just in your mind that nobody else knows, do you feel like there's some areas that may have dried up in your life? Because you were valuable to the kingdom of God. If we were Christians, we got a mission. We, got a, we have to evangelize the world. We have to tell everybody about the good news. And if we got some dry areas in our life, maybe we need to kind of navigate these a little bit. So, are there areas you feel stagnant? Are there, do you have lost dreams, lost visions, lost hopes? You know, maybe the door, you close the door on a difficult relationship, a difficult situation. You know, maybe you had a kid run away from home and now you've just closed the door on it. You know, maybe some people want to get married and, and, and go into a new season of life, but they just gave up in their period of waiting. You know, areas that you no longer find yourself having love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. Self-control is really hard for Christians nowadays. You know, what about your quiet time? What about getting along with God, diving in the Word? Because the Word of God is so important. If you know the Word of God, it's written on your heart and you can speak it over every situation of life. 
But if you're not spending time in the word, you're not going to absorb the word and be able to walk out the word. What about witnessing and spreading the good news? What about sharing your testimonies? You know, did, did they fall on deaf ears and you felt like maybe the Lord is just, you know, don't want to, you know, maybe he's not using you no more. The issue of feeling hopeless not only affects us as believers, but there are many dry, hopeless people all around us. We have to be hopeful so that we can help the hopeless. <laughs> you know, there's people in our communities, at our jobs, at our school, where we work, where we get gas, where we go to the grocery store. There's hopeless people everywhere. When I was, getting a, when, when I was waiting in line today, you know, I was, I was up there at 6 o'clock this morning waiting to get my procedure done. I'm sitting there talking to this guy, and he's like, man, ever since Harvey, man, I, you know, ever since I had a flood, man, I'm just hopeless of everything in life. Everything just went downhill, hurt my back. I have no hope. I go up to the counter. Everybody's wearing a mask. There's a big piece of plexiglass. And they're like, well, ever since COVID, we've got to have all this stuff. I don't want to talk about the past. I want to talk about the future because our hope is in the future, not the past. But it's just these little things that people are still holding on to. They're still holding on to these little things that have just happened in life. As Christians, we're supposed to let all that stuff go. I mean, just every, all the hopelessness we have, we need to just let it go. There is people out there who have even lost their faith who've lost their way, who've lost their hope, lost their dreams, become distracted, lost their way and their visions. There's people all around us that have no hope, no future, people who don't even know what the freedom of Jesus is really like. They just live a life just in a, a steady cycle of captivity through sin, through lust, through division, through disruption. Just, there's just no hope in that situation. And I'll tell you, when you were in the bottom of the pit... <laughs> People get stuck by looking at the walls of the pit, but it's looking up that's what's important because that's your only way out through the Lord. The devil is doing nothing more than isolating, lying, causing divisions, robbing people of Jesus. I feel the devil is trying to sow division into people's lives and planting lies through people's thoughts. You know, the devil can't really make us do nothing, but he can whisper in your ear and cause distraction. He can whisper in your ear and make you think that that's the word of God and it really ain't the word of God. He can whisper in your ear and, and make you do things that you typically wouldn't do. I think it's really important in Jonah 10.10, 10, it says, you know, the, I mean, I'm sorry, John 10.10, 10, it says the thief, you know, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy's purpose is. That's what he's trying to do. Our enemy is very clear on his battle plan. He wants to steal the goodness that you have. He wants to steal the innocence, the visions, you know, the witnessing, the dreams, everything that we have as a Christian. And not only does he want to steal from us, he wants to kill it. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to kill your hope. He wants to distract you. The devil wants to kill the desires to do good that we have. He wants to let, you know, plant a word in our ear when we feel like we are led to go talk to somebody, that somebody needs help, that, that maybe I just need to, to, to bless them with some money. Maybe I need to do something, and the devil tries to whisper in your ear and say, no, you shouldn't do that. Well, we shouldn't covet nothing of this world. Once we die, it's all going to go away anyways. And not only does he want to steal, kill, and destroy, he literally wants to take everything a Christian has. Because if he can knock you off course, he can knock 
everything that God has already prepared for you or in the future, of course. The term destroy, originally in the original language, it means to destroy so there'd be no legacy. Nothing to hand down to your kids, kids, kids. If the devil could destroy Brack, everything that Raymond did would be stopped at Brack. If the devil could destroy you, everything that the Lord is already working on your heart would stop with you. The devil wants to rob our generations from the hope and the relationship of Jesus Christ. And if we are not anchored in Christ over time, just a little by little, we will start veering off course. I think it's important because usually when we become distant from God, it's because we're being disobedient to God. When we feel like we are being led away from God, little things just like not reading the Word every day, not praying every day, they all start building up. And next thing you know, you're not coming to church. You're not doing a lot of things that God has already written on your heart. So when we are distant, we are actually being disobedient. Because when you're plugged in every day, you just feel the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. You feel like everything in life, every season of life, the Lord's speaking to you. He's giving you power. He's giving you encouragement through every sickness, every disease. You can just feel the Spirit of the Lord upon you when you are diving in every day. You see, but Jesus has a vision too. In John 10, 10, it goes on to say that I have come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. He gives us a choice. You can either drift away. To, something that, or to someone who's trying to kill, steal, and destroy everything you have. Or you can come that you may have overflowing abundance with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I felt like the Holy Spirit's really been speaking to me about these dry areas in life. Places with no growth, no vegetation. Places which have become deserted and given up on. I keep saying it, dreams and visions and ideas and, you know, once we were full of life and it's just dried up because I feel like that's just what the Lord's trying to do because if he can dry you up, he can, he can cause you to just be off your course. I believe the Lord is about to do something really, really great too. I can feel it in my spirit. I have been praying about it. And I feel like the Lord is about to really do something great with the church, with the nations, with the people in the church, with the people who are lost. I feel like a great thing is coming, and that's why as Christians we need to realize that our hope is not destroyed, that our visions and our dreams and our aspirations, that these things we need to not let go. We need to hold tight because in due season everything's going to come forward because it's important for us because a great thing is fixing to happen in the church. I believe victims are fixing to become victors. People who were once victims are fixing to experience victory, and now they are victors in everything that they do. You know, I believe that the spiritually dry are about to be spiritually replenished. I honestly believe that the hopeless, the lost, the ones who are unsaved, who, who are struggling, who, who want to commit suicide, want to give up, who are, who are alcoholics, drug addicts, these people who are hopeless, that I really feel like the Lord is fixing to allow them to come, become hopeful. And it's through us. We, we are the, you know, the salt of the world. We are the light. We have to go out there. We have to go get them. We cannot just give up on God because God's not going to give up on you. We cannot allow our enemy to rob what Jesus has given us. Believe change is coming because it is. So today our passage of Scripture is going to be uh, 
in the book of Ezekiel. <clears throat> We're going to be talking about Ezekiel 37, verse 1 through 14, the valley of dry bones. This kind of can be interpreted in many different ways, but there's some things in here that I just feel like the Lord has really spoken to me about. The backstory here is that Israel at one time, you know, they had a great army. They were a great nation, but Israel had broken some of God's laws. And because they disobeyed God, you know, God kind of allowed Babylon to come in and take everything from them. And Ezekiel right here, you know, uh, when, when they were all exiled, over 10,000 people plus their kings and all them, they were exiled out of the nation by Babylon. They were scattered. Uh, Ezekiel was among the captives who become a prophet. Ezekiel's prophetic vision of a valley of dry bones came to him after God directed him to prophesy the rebirth over Israel in verse 36. God announced to the prophet that Israel would be restored both physically and spiritually. However, this promise seemed impossible in the light of Israel's present condition. Israel had become dead as a nation, deprived of land, deprived of a king, deprived of a temple that was, you know, destroyed. Israel had been exiled, divided, dispersed for so long that unification and restoration felt nearly impossible. They absolutely had no hope that it would ever be the way it was. So God gave Ezekiel a vision of the dry bones is a sign of hope and restoration in the midst of very dark and difficult times. Just as Ezekiel saw God bring the dry bones back to life, you know, God would bring back spiritually dead people. Kind of sounds like a lot like our nation we live in, you know. There's a lot of spiritually dead people in our nation that need Jesus. There's people that are deprived, they're lost, they have no hope. Just like in them times. They, you know, the divided, where, where there's no unification, you know, restoration almost seems impossible with a lot of people. And that's why I feel like it's important as us for Christians need to be planted firm to get ready for this. Everything in your spiritual walk has led up to this. We have become a nation who's become divided over race, politics, even over religion. And, you know, these are just so redundant. We hear it all the time. It's all over the news. It's everywhere. But we do live in a world that's full of spiritually dead people. We live in communities who have no hope, who've lost their way, who have no joy. We live in a time where dreams have been stolen. You know, we live in a, a time when uh, the generation has become consumed by technology. What a way for the devil to distract the younger generation is through technology. You know, we have a generation that chooses technology over an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. They would rather be scrolling through everything than even read one Bible verse. And it's important as the parents in the next head of, you know, of the church, the next seats in the church, for us to allow us to teach our kids that there's importance in the Word of God, that, that don't be distracted by TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all these things, all these opinions, all the stuff that's going on. Be firmly planted first. And as a Christian, we need to be on track so we can teach our younger generation these things. What's really important is we cannot just clean up our lives without filling it with God. There's so many people that believe that they are good people. But, the, but you can't just clean up your life and not fill the void with God. You can get rid of a bad marriage, but if you don't fill, uh, you, you know, if you don't fill those voids, those insecurities, those, those distractions, uh, you know, there, there, there's some things where people uh, who have all this money and they want to give it away and they think they're good because they gave money away, but, you know, just because they can have a pride moment of a puff me up. But if you don't fill them things, 
in your heart with God before you do them, there's always going to be a void there. We must continually fill our lives with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, because God knows that the enemy walks around through our dry places. Matthew 12, 43 says, When an unclean spirit goes out of man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. So the enemy is always out there on the prowl trying to find somebody who is in a dark, lonely situation, separated from God. You know, I know a man who was a Christian. Everything was great. He was on fire, gets a divorce, back to drinking, back alcoholic, back doing these things. And I will tell you what, it, it almost looks like he's completely lost his way. And that's because he filled the void with the wrong thing. Because the enemy is walking around. He knows who he can take a hold of. So, so what's re required of reviving you know, dry bones? Because I believe this passage is a tremendous passage for hope for everyone. Some people may have walked through the doors today with some, some form of something. But I will assure you that you know, just when you think there's no hope, there is hope. Some of you online may be watching. You may be at a place where you are full desperation, isolated. You have no way out. Maybe your only hope is that you thought you were going to turn on this message tonight and the Lord was going to speak to you, and if not, you didn't know what you were going to do. Just let me reassure you, when you think there's no hope, there is. And it's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He will restore. He will renew. He, he will sanctify you. He, he will just work in you through your family, through your, your, your hardships, through everything in life. You will be blessed, I promise you. I am a living witness in the testimony to uh, overcoming all these things in life. So ain't nobody can tell me that my God ain't good. So what's required for reviving, uh, reviving dry bones? We're going to look at, uh, oh man, I got five minutes. I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to have to blow through this real quick. I still got seven pages. I went to one of Pastor Ken's classes. <laughs> so, so if I could just sum it up real quick Know that God is with you You're not hopeless Through any situation God shows up Through anything you're going with Through any dry situation God shows up you know, it's often easier for people to blame others for their dry bones or dry situations. But let me tell you, it's usually the cause of your own doings. You know, I can't bring you to the table and make you eat. <laughs> I can't make you hungry. No man can truly put into your heart the passion for holiness. You know, no one can put a, a desire to live a godly life. No one can put a desire for the hunger of the Word of God. Nobody can, 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 can you know, make you want worship your priority. Everything man does is short-lived, and it will just fail. Even if you, people try to put their trust in me, I will let you down because I'm only human. No man can revive dry bones. No man can restore lost hope. What we need is the only thing God can do. God is the only one who can restore dry bones in people's lives. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, because I am your God. Yes, Romans 5.13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in you. Amen. In hope, I'm sorry. 
I'm trying to sum this up. There's just so much I didn't get to talk about. <laughs> also, I want you to know that there's power in the Word of God. There is power in the Word of God. In verse 4, he says, O dry bones, hear the Word of the Lord. Things happen when God speaks. God created everything with just one word. God spoke and it was so. God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into a place and dry land appear. When God speaks, things happen in life. The only hope for reviving, uh, reviving dry bones and renewing lost hope was the word of God breathing new life into them. Even God breathed life into Abraham. He was just nothingness, and God created him and breathed life into him. You know, Hebrews uh, 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living, powerful, sharp, and two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit in the joints and marrow. See, God's word, it gives life. God's word gives hope. God's word You know, it connects us with God. God's word leads us to salvation, restoration, sanctification, justification. Even if you want to be alive, you must, you know, hear the word of God. The next point that we were going to discuss is you have to speak the word of the Lord over, you know, every situation in life. You got to speak the word of the Lord. All of us are preachers, whether you believe it or not. You don't have to sit up here from a pedestal and think that you're a preacher because you're a preacher with the word of the Lord that's written on your heart. Everywhere you go, you are preaching, you are prophesying, you are telling people about the goodness of the Lord, and you need to know that because there's a generation of lost, dying, hopeless, uh, people going to hell, and we are preachers who are not, you know, church, uh, Christianity is more than just being in a church. It's going out and being the church. This is great for the building up of the body and fellowshipping and worshiping God, but we also need to go out and be the church. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, if the Lord wrote, a, wrote something on your heart, even if it's the same message, we have to go out and give it. You know, God's word penetrates darkness and it penetrates death. 2 Timothy 4 2 says, Preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Super important. Isaiah 55, 11 says, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. You may be throwing seeds out there of the goodness of God to people, and you may never see the true replenishing effects of the word of God that he's given you. You just need to go out and scatter those seeds. When, when, you know, when they go out in fields, they broadcast. When you, when you feed uh, deer, you broadcast. That's what we need to do with the living hope that is written in our hearts. Amen. Dry bones must receive God's word. But in order to live again, the dry bones must respond to God's word. In verse 7 of our passage, as we're kind of coming to a close, it says, I was prophesying. There was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. So when he spoke the word of the Lord, there was movement that happened. And that movement of the word of God is what allows, you know, new life. There must be a response to the word of God. 
daily in our private times, weekly in our Bible studies, in our worship. We need to speak the Word of God daily. We need to speak the Word of God over our lives, over our kids, over our nation, over our our government, over every situation of our life, over our church, over healing, over all these areas where the devil's trying to cause division and make you seem like you are hopeless, which you are not hopeless. We need to speak the Word of God over these areas. And that is one reason why you got to know the Word of God or you can't speak the Word of God. So I'm going to go ahead and go to the conclusion. As we close tonight, you you may be at a place today where you feel like there's no hope, no way out. You may feel lost, cut off in areas of life that that you may just feel have dried up. But rest assured, there is hope that God is with you. It is only when you take focus off of God that you begin to dry up. When we change our focus, our track gets off course. When you're going through that straight, narrow path of relationship with God, the moment you take your focus off is when you end up in the ditch. And then who will always be there to help? A Christian. (laughs) No matter how impure your life is, God offers us a fresh start. You can have your sins washed away, receive a new heart, and have the Holy Spirit living within you by accepting God's promises, accepting His Word. Don't try to patch up your old life when you can have a new one. I feel like that's for somebody out there watching online. Don't try to patch up an old life when you can have a new one through a personal living relationship with God. See, I believe God is telling you that I desire to restore some things, some circumstances, some situations in your life. But you have to play a part as well. You know, we have a part to play in God's plan. We cannot be lazy generation of Christians. We have a part to play. The takeaways tonight is uh, believe and know that God's with you through every difficult situation, through every valley moment, through every moment that you feel stuck in a pit, through every moment where you feel like there's just no hope, no way out, there's no way I'm going to be healed, there's no way I'm going to be restored. Those are all lies of the devil. That is lies of the devil. Believe and know that God's with you because he is. Once you've accepted him, he is with you. Connect with God's word. Hear it and bring it into completion. You speak that word of God over your life, your kid's life, everybody's life every single day. And I guarantee you fruit will be produced. Because when you speak it out, God brings it back. Speak God's promises over every situation. Don't doubt him. Don't be negative. Don't give the enemy room to come in and wreak havoc in your life. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have authority over your thoughts. The devil has no authority over your thoughts. All he can do is plant a seed of negativity in your life. And it only takes root if you grab it. Every Christian has two forces battling in their mind. Every Christian. And there's even some people out there where you have two two things battling in your mind. Because the Lord wants to bring you home. There's one that's evil. Now, there's this thought that's evil, it's angry, it's jealous, it's sorrowful, it has regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, pride, resentment, infuriety, lies, false, false pride, and superiority, and an ego. There's this voice trying to make you this thing that you are not. The littlest thing will set you off. You know, you want to fight everything, you want to argue everything all the time for no reason. You can't even think because the anger and the hate is so great for some people. It is a hopeless anger that changes. And then there's another form. There's a form of God. It's full of joy. 
It's full of peace. It's full of love. It's full of serenity, humility, kindness, empathy, giving, truthful, compassionate, faithful. And he lives in harmony with everything around you. The only one that takes hold in your life is the one that you feed the most. If you, if you feed the negative voice in your head, you're, you're going to walk around and be negative all the time. If you feed on the, the one that's full of love, joy, and peace, this is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that the Holy Spirit and God's trying to work in you. When you feed them, you will walk a life having a weight lifted off your back. I promise you. Don't spend another day weary, depressed, and tired. Speak the word over your life. And believe God to move into a dead situation. It's not over till God says it's over. Amen. If someone out there is watching or someone here on campus have never accepted the Lord as their personal Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give an opportunity. Maybe some of you just want to pray a prayer to kind of, you know, refire some things back up in your life because I'm telling you, it's through these seasons where God has been maturing you. He's been giving you so much saltiness, so much light, that he's, just, he's fixing to open the door for you if you just hang on. Because there is something happening, and, and you know, with the Spirit of God right now all over the world that's fixing to make a great difference. Just hang on. So for you online, if you'd say this prayer, prayer, this, uh, prayer with me, if you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you dying for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you, Lord, for giving me a way out. Please, God, forgive me. I pray, Lord, that you just come into my life and I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Now, Lord, I just, I just pray that you help me to live a life for you the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you've, ever, if you've said that prayer for the first time tonight, that's just the first step. That's the first step of giving up your old sinful nature. Now it's time to get into the Word, get into a relationship, get with God, get time alone, uh, alone, pray, study, and just press into God. And I promise you the things of your life will change.